I've been thinking a lot lately about how there really are no support groups for people who deal with suicidality or who have attempted, you know, there's support groups for people who are survivors in the sense that they had a friend or a family member commit suicide, but there's not a lot of people that you can talk to who are going through it with you at the same time. Hey there, my name is Sean, and this is Suicide Noted. On this podcast, I talk with suicide attempt survivors so that we can hear their stories. Every year around the world, millions of people try to take their own lives, and we almost never talk about it. And when we do talk about it, many of us, including me, are not very good at it. So one of my goals with this podcast is to have more conversations and hopefully better conversations with attempt survivors. I am going to keep trying. I want to thank everybody who has joined me on this podcast to share so openly and courageously in the past year and a half. Thank you. Thank you so much. And to all of our listeners from around the world. Thank you. If you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to share your story, I would love to talk. Please reach out. Hello at suicidenoted.com or on Facebook or Twitter at Suicide Noted. And we are talking about suicide on this podcast. So please take that into account before you listen. But I do hope you listen because there is so much to learn. And if I could ask a favor, and I do ask this favor a lot, let people know about this podcast by mouth on social media. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, rating and reviewing really helps. And I do think there are people that need to hear this podcast. So if you would take a few moments, maybe right now and give Suicide Noted even more love. I really appreciate it. Today, I am talking with Alex. Alex lives in Illinois, and he is a suicide attempt survivor. Hey, Alex, how are you? How are you? How am I? Uh, I'm okay, you know. (laughs) I don't know, how do you answer that question, really? Yeah, I'm all right. What do you want me to say? You just say things are good, right? Things are fine, Alex. Things are fine. fine. Everyone's Everything's great. Offer me a platitude or two. We can move forward. That's right. <laughs> uh, Alex, where are you, by the way? Uh, Illinois, Chicago. First of all, thank you for yeah. doing this because most people don't, and I don't judge them for that, but I do really appreciate people who have insert whatever word, courage or grit or whatever to, uh, to do this. What compelled you to reach out? I think it's helpful to talk about it. You know, really, I think I did it for selfish reasons more than anything else, which is just that I wanted the release of um, being able to like get your story out there. It feels strange to do because it's a very public way. And there's certainly a lot of other people I could talk to about it. But, uh, you know, I think it's nice to be heard from people who kind of understand. And I mean, I know having listened to this podcast uh, that you get it. And I know that the listeners will get it. I mean, I talk to therapists, I talk to family and friends um, to some degree, but you know, I know no one who's really dealt with suicidality. And I think that um, there is just something that's a relief about getting to say it to people who will understand you. Yeah, hundred percent. When you say uh, when you say get it, what's the it? I know it's a tough one, but like, what's the it? You know, you you talk to people and the question is just always like, you know, I've gone through hard things before, but I just can't imagine doing that. You know, I just, I can't imagine 
wanting to die, you know, like that's, um, you know, maybe a fleeting thought, like, I wish this was over, but, uh, but to actually go through with it or to actually make plans, you know, to even go that far, uh, with you, uh, or, you know, to go that far with it is just, I think out of a lot of people's comprehension. And so I found, you know, when talking to people, uh, sometimes you have to explain yourself a lot and, and sometimes you just want to get your story out there and not have to, you know, get into a philosophical conversation about death or why, why would you? Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's, that's really the main reason I would like to, uh, you know, be able to share my story with people who I think would understand it. Um, and to the degree that I can be helpful, uh, you know, I think it's nice to not have to be alone in this situation mm -hmm. too. And so I've certainly benefited from listening to the podcast. I want to contribute as much as possible, uh, to other people who will benefit from hearing these stories too. It's just nice to be able to hear other people say things that have gone through your head and that feel like you're the only person in the world who's had this go through your head <laughs> before. Yeah. Makes sense to me. Makes sense to me. Before we get into your actual attempt question for you, and there's a little irony here, I'm going to get philosophical based on what you said about people being philosophical. Why do you think, and we're just spitballing here, why do you think it, so many people, I, I think it's safe to say certainly the majority of the people have such a difficult time conversing, is that the right word, talking about this stuff? Why is it that they philosophize or pontificate or offer platitudes or, or the myriad other things they tend to do, even if they're well-intentioned? Why? I think most people find death to be very scary. I think the idea for most people who haven't hit that stage, that that could be something that that's something that scary to people personally is something that someone would choose for themselves is just really frightening. And people don't want to go into a space that makes them feel frightened. You know, I, I wish I knew uh, why it's unfortunate that people can't go into that space because it is helpful for anyone who's been there to be able to just talk. The fact that most people shy away from it is, uh, you know, it, it's frustrating for us that we can't say more about it. But I, I would guess that that's the main reason is that people are already personally afraid of death. And so it, it's scary to have to confront someone who would choose that. And you chose that at least once, right? Yeah. I mean, so my, I guess I can get into some more of my stories. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> I've never hit the point that I have ever needed to be like resuscitated or anything like that. Um, I bet I would describe it as basically I've stared down the barrel of a gun a few times. I don't own a gun. So all my attempts were the same. And that was that uh, I used a belt and a doorknob and tried to hang myself, um, would get to the point of sort of feeling lightheaded, approaching unconsciousness, and then would sort of walk back from the ledge. All these, you know, in, in that sort of situation, all you really have to do is just stand up and, and, and get up and, and walk out. But yeah, in all those, I think in all those situations, I really kind of went into it thinking this is the night that we're going to do it. And then, you know, or at least at the very least being ambivalent about it and saying, yeah, I know how this might go. And I've accepted that. But I, I hit a point where it really became a sort of a habit. I mean, I've done it upwards of 20 times. I don't know exactly. But it also, you know, I got some sort of release, I guess, in the same way that people who self-harm get released from that too, where just being able to sort of viscerally stare death in the face and remind myself I do have some sort of control in the situation, even if it's a morbid way to sort of regain control, uh, was helpful. Made me feel like I had some sort of power back in my life when I felt like things were spinning out of control. How old were you, uh, if you can recall, more or less the first time? First time I did it, I was uh, 16. It was just the one time. Uh, it was very frightening the first time yeah. I did it. And because I was so young, I definitely remember thinking... You know, you're 16, uh, you have a lot of life ahead of you. Maybe there's 
stuff ahead of you, you know? And, and so some of the more recent times, uh, I didn't always feel that way. I always felt like you can do it tomorrow. You can do it next week. You know, this just doesn't have to be tonight, but I, you know, that one really shook me and I felt like I needed to try to change things and, and see what my life had in store. And so I went through a really long period where I didn't try again. And so, and then it didn't start again until about a year ago. Uh, and so I'm 28 now. So, you know, a period over a decade uh, passed between those attempts. And then in the last year, there've been probably about 20, I would guess, total. So 16 to 26, 27, right? Life happens. And, and so does something change that compels you to go back and do that that second time? And then obviously the, the times after that, what changes? The pandemic, I think, contributed. Um, I think the isolation was maybe part of it. The big thing was really, you know, I feel like uh, life from 16 to like 27 was, you know, more or less a continuous um, uphill climb. You know, uh, I went to college, got a job, things were going well, got into grad school. I'm in a pretty good uh, grad school program right now. And then hit a point where, you know, transition from doing classwork to having to do research was just I didn't feel like I could do it anymore. Um, mm. Spent every night, couldn't sleep anymore. Felt like this is not the right fit for me. Uh, and had spent so much of my life climbing to this particular point. Uh, didn't really know what was left. Uh, felt kind of totally lost. Like, okay, well, what do I do now? Uh, yeah, this isn't the right yeah. fit for me. Uh, I don't know where to go. You know, I, I applied for jobs. I've, I'm still struggling to land a job. It just felt like I had made all this progress and I just felt like I was sort of falling off the ladder that I'd spent so much time climbing. And I guess I couldn't see and still struggle to see uh, what's next to mm -hmm. some extent. You know, just as an aside, I, I said at the beginning that I'm doing it for personal uh, reasons. I, I do hope that this will be helpful, but I, in some ways I am a little guilty that I can't give people a story of like, oh, I got through it and you could too, too. I mean, every day is still a struggle and it is for a lot yeah. of people who are on the podcast. So I still hope it'll be helpful. For what it's worth, and I welcome everybody's stories and wherever they are, I actually prefer in some ways that I can't quite quantify the people who don't have it figured out, who are still struggling, who tell me when I ask them the likelihood of them trying again, they're like, I might try again. I, I, not because I want them to, but right. but I just think that those are the conversations we hear even less. We, we'll, we'll hear the ones yeah. where things are okay now. I even wrote a book. Great. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I want the ones yeah. where it's like, no, yeah. this is hard. I'm not making you any fucking guarantees. I'm going to try the best I can and it may not work and it might. So don't shy away in as much as you're comfortable. I, I think people need to hear that for what it's worth. Yeah, really. It kind of reminds me too, because uh, again, I, I, I've been thinking a lot lately about how there really are no uh, support groups for people who deal with suicidality or who have attempted. You've talked about this in the podcast before, you know, there's support groups for people who are survivors in the sense that they had a friend or a family member uh, commit suicide. Yeah. But there's not a lot of people that you can talk to who are going through it with you at the same time. And I, I know I was thinking about like, imagine going to AA and the only people you heard from are people who are alcoholics 25 years ago. I mean, it's just, it's just such a frustrating position right. to be in that you can't, you feel like you're missing some honesty when you are, you know, I mean, I get, we don't want to encourage people yeah. to do it. And so people are a little worried about having someone who's like, yeah, I might still struggle. I might still do it right. one day. Um, right. It's not a message people want to hear, but it is, you know, people are struggling with it. And I think yeah. those people deserve to, to be able to say it uh, and to be heard. hundred percent. How many people know that you have attempted at least once? How many people in the world know that? Uh, my parents and I would say about five or six friends. Okay. How did they respond when they learned of this because that's not you know that's not like i didn't do well on my uh my exam type news right 
So the only person I personally told uh, was my girlfriend, now fiance. Uh, and so that was really what spurred this whole thing. I mean, again, all of these were things I had been secretly doing. I always, yeah, I was never found. Uh, I always sort of made the decision on my own that, all right, we're going to, we're going to go another day. Uh, and it finally hit the point. I mean, I just had such overwhelming guilt about it. It was very, very hard. I remember just sitting in silence with her for probably five minutes, well, it felt like five minutes to just get the words out. Uh, but I told her she was shocked. I think that's the first thing. Luckily, uh, she does. Um, I mean, I don't know if this is too much personal information, but she's a PhD psychology student. So um, she didn't know what to do. I think better than most people. I'm incredibly lucky. I mean, I feel like I'm the most lucky person uh, just in terms of who I'm with that I don't think I, it could have been handled better. She took me to the hospital immediately, which I didn't love and uh, still didn't love, but it, you know, it did lead to some good treatment outcomes. I think longer term, not always the case. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, but they set me up with a partial hospitalization program that I think was really, really helpful. Um, that at least made me, the reason I didn't find the hospital helpful is, you know, one of the things that really leads to my suicidality is just feeling a lack of control. And so throwing me in sort of a padded room uh, and being like, all right, we're going to tell you when you can go to bed and when you can eat and uh, we'll check in on you every 15 minutes was not just the best feeling. I mean, it really sort of intensified some of those feelings, um, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. getting out, you know, they, they set me up with a partial hospitalization program that you know, there's no one forcing me to go everyone to every day. It really felt like I could sort of take ownership and say, I do want to get better. I'm going to go because I want to feel better. You know, I, I, I don't want to have to feel miserable every day. So I think that helped a lot uh, as far as, and I got a little off the story, but as far as everybody else, mm -hmm. uh, all of the other people were told by my partner uh, when I was in the hospital, one of them with my permission, because he was a close friend. We stay in contact. I knew it had been maybe five days and he's probably wondering why I haven't responded to his messages. And so I said, you should probably let him know that, uh, mm -hmm. that I'm in the hospital and you can let him know the whole reason I'm here. He's a good friend. So he deserves to know, but outside of her, I've really not discussed the suicide attempts with anybody else. They've asked sort of vague questions about, uh, how's the depression going, <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, it, it's still, and even with people who are pretty comfortable. I mean, I have friends, uh, one of the friends that knows is a, a clinical psychologist in training. And, you know, and she hasn't asked me a lot about it either. I mean, I think it's just still a topic people are uncomfortable about. They don't want to make you uncomfortable. So yeah. people still don't really want to talk about it. And my parents have never talked to, about, to me about it either after all this time. So mm. they were also told by her uh, after the hospitalization. And I don't have kids, so I'm not going to presume I would know how I would engage with my child that went through something like that sort of a unique relationship, but uh, it's hard for me, Alex, to understand when you learn of this, like if you told them almost anything else, like I got into grad school, I got into a PhD program, I met this great girl, I even just like I had this amazing meal at this restaurant, people would say like, oh, really? Like, tell me more. But not with this. This is just like we, I just don't understand. And this is not pointing a finger at anybody in your life. Really, it's not. But I don't quite get like why just not talking about it as an option. Like even if it were just, what if it was just like, hey, I have no idea what to say. I'm not even sure I want to hear it, but clearly we got to like, let's engage in some way. And we don't really do that. And, and I have no doubt that your friends and, and parents are good people. Help me understand. No, yeah, no, I, you know, if I knew, uh, maybe I could help improve the conversation. I, right. I don't know. I mean, some of it is they don't do it because they don't want to say the wrong thing, right? Uh, people are afraid. They, you know, especially someone who's in a vulnerable position, 
they don't want to say something that makes me upset. Just for you, what might be the wrong thing that someone would be worried about saying? Like, is there a lot that they should be concerned about if they were entering into it? They really wanted to understand Alex or just talk about it. Are there things that they could say? Because, and here's, it's a bit of a loaded question. Because I don't think there's that much people could say that's that wrong. As long as you give a shit and you just want to hear someone out, there's probably some things that aren't great to hear, sure. Because there might be people here who hear this and they are in a position of like your friends or your parents, where they have a son or a boyfriend or whomever who's really struggling. I don't know. Is there that? I don't know. I'm caught here, man. I'm just sort of spitballing here with you. It just throws me off. I mean, I totally agree with you. And I I think you are hitting the nail on the head that maybe the wrong thing to say is nothing. (laughs) I mean, that is the wrong thing to do because it, it is just so much better to know that someone cares. Telling someone, I really wish that you were, st- I really hope that you're still around. I really hope that mm. whatever's troubling you that I, I'd like, uh, mm. I want to hear about it. And, and I, you know, I've gotten a lot of, I did get a lot of texts uh, after I got out about like, you know, if there's anything troubling you, you can always come to me, um, which is nice to hear. And I, but I think there is a difference between that and come to me now, you know, like what, what's troubling, like talk, you know, just talk, tell me what's going on. You know, like, yep. uh, cause I still feel like I'm in that position where, you know, I don't know people, it's easier to say I will be there than to be there. Right. Um, and so I'm, I still don't feel like I'm comfortable going out of that shell. Uh, and so maybe people coming to you and just sharing your experience. Here's, here's the time that I had a hard time. Tell me about yours, you know, I, mm, I, um, sort of equating my own shitty experience, whether I tried to end my life or not. But if I say to you, and I want people to hear this, Alex, I have no idea. I, I can't imagine what that's like. I can't. But here's what I went through this thing and I, I my, it was so fucking hard and just leave it at that. Like there doesn't have to be and a like, and you're going to get through it too. I mean, you could add that, <laughs> yeah, but just, sure. just knowing that in that moment, somebody else in my life went through something really hard and we can, we, we can be okay in each other's company with that. Right. You know, and the other thing too, is that um, if people are afraid of saying the thing that there's nothing you could say, that's going to be the thing that convinces me to do it. I'm already in the dark spot, you know, right, like, right. you're not going to make it worse. You maybe right. you won't say the most helpful thing. You're not going to say the thing that pulls me out of it. That's not on you. You don't have to say the thing right. that saves my life. Like there's not going to be one word that you're going to say. Right. You just being there and listening and talking is, is the thing that's going to be, is going to help or, you know. It right. can't hurt. Trust everybody so. who's ever been through this. If there was a magic word that could help, we'd fucking know it and we'd say it. <laughs> like, wait, right. there's no one magic word, y'all. So I want to just loop back. You had said your fiance handled it really well. That's, I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. Because we're talking about and we're, we're going sort of deep into these like moments in which you engage with someone. And in that moment, when you really told her something that was sounded very difficult, very challenging. What'd she do or say, or what she did she not do or not say? As an example. She froze. She accepted the moment as it was, thought about how to respond. Yep. And she said, you don't have to go through this alone anymore, mm. was the first thing she said. Uh, she says, it makes me really sad that you've been on your own this whole time. And I don't want you to have to be on your own. I want to be there with you. And I want to feel all these things that you're feeling. And I want to, yeah, be along uh, on your side through this whole thing. And mm-hmm. I mean, that was just like, <laughs> I mean, I'm tearing up just like thinking about it because I, I, I don't know. That's just not the response. I, I guess I had told myself that I would get. I guess I was so used to um, blame or maybe I was, you know, blaming myself uh, that I expected everyone else to blame me too and say, you know, what the fuck's wrong with you? <laughs> what, you know, what, wh- how could you ever do such a thing? 
And, you know, there just wasn't a response. It was just so much more empathetic. Yeah. I, I mean, and I think it's just a lovely thing to say. Uh, I yeah. felt really supported in that moment. I was not happy that we were off to the hospital, but um, I knew right. that she wanted what was best for me. And that was what we had to do in that moment. So I like her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's great. I, I picked a good one. Yeah. What, uh, how many people in the world do you have to talk to about these kinds of difficult things, whether you pay them or not? Mm, yeah. I have a counselor that I see. Um, and my partner is really, as I've said, uh, I'm really lucky to want to have in a situation like this. I have a very close friend who's a clinical psychologist in training. You know, I think the biggest impediment still uh, is me. I think that these are people who would all be receptive, but I still think that that it's still hard to, for me to talk about. And, you know, I, I know I opened the, the whole discussion by saying, you know, it's very helpful to talk about. So why don't you? And I, I mean, a lot of it is just, you know, still fear of having to go back to the hospital, that kind of stuff. You know, you don't know I feel like I'm always taking a little bit of risk every time I put something like that out there that you don't fully know how it's going to come back on you. Uh, right, and right. so I, I still, I still shy away from it a little bit, whether that's the right strategy. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's the one that I am most comfortable with. And so I sort of avoid it for that reason. But I mean, there are people, you know, one thing I know when, when I first revealed it to my partner and we, we would talk about it after the hospitalization and she was just like, you know, I, I don't quite understand like why she's like, why didn't you tell me, you know, like, you know, I'm here for you. And I was like, cause I didn't want you to stop me. <laughs> like, I mean, it's, it's really, it was like that simple. I made my call and uh, I don't want to be stopped. And I didn't know how to communicate that I was in a lot of pain with at, while withholding that I was to the point of like being suicidal. And so that was the thing that we wrestled with afterwards is I was like, you know, I was telling you I was depressed and anxious. You knew it. And she's like, yeah, I knew it. I, but like, I didn't realize you wanted to kill yourself. That's a whole nother level. Like people get stressed out. People don't normally want to kill themselves. And that's the thing I needed to know. And so, you know, it, it's a tough, it's a tough communication problem. And the words, the words, you know, we, we, we have no choice but to communicate with words, but sometimes they are tricky because you say, I'm not feeling well, or I'm stressed, or I'm depressed. And if we don't get beyond that, what does that mean for you in your daily life? Every moment, like, then it can be something that we just say, okay, well, he's going through a tough time and hopefully the meds kick in. Yeah. Or you know what I mean? I get it. And we're busy, right? We're yeah. busy and we're doing our lives and we're working and we're picking up our stupid dry cleaning and whatever. What helps other than, actually, I don't want to presume that talking helps, but what, what helps? You know, I do think talking helps. I already, I already feel like this is helping. Um, you know, the podcast has helped. I think reading, uh, I've read just like a number of books really as I've gone through. I mean, this has been, I was hospitalized in July. It's now uh, November. So it's been four months since I kind of like went from getting no help to sort of going through this whole process of, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. getting medication, seeing a counselor. Honestly, just like reading testimonials. You know, I've gotten a number of books of people who sort of been through it. Uh, I think that helps a lot. Yeah. Distraction helps a lot. You know, you don't have to think about suicide all the time. You know, to some degree we do have control of our thoughts. It's not always easy to exercise. I don't know that I always want to exercise it, but, uh, you know, you can, you can try to choose and it, it, it takes a lot of practice, uh, but you can try to choose to think about other things, things that bring you more comfort. So I think that helps. Uh, it's not always available, but I think it helps, you know, trying to find things to live for when you're sort of deep in that hole, you know, and you find that the things that you thought brought you the most comfort just aren't fucking doing it for you anymore. And just reevaluating re everything, you know, like what, what is it? What is it that used to help me get up in the morning? Mm -hmm. If it's not doing it for me right now, 
what can. I spent sort of the last three years sort of stuck in this graduate school program. And uh, so that was sort of how I spent most of my time. And so it's really caused me to do a lot of reevaluation of like, you know, prior to all this, you weren't always a PhD student. Like, what did you used to love to do? And and how can we sort of bring some of that back uh, so that you're not fucking miserable all the time, you know? Those things have helped. It's it's a challenge. What's your PhD in or what was your research in? Or uh, Economics. All right. So you're not loving it. Yeah. Not loving it. Looking for jobs and something else uh, at the moment, but yeah. yeah. Still on, yeah. on medical leave from school. It's actually been really the best. I, actually, the best thing to come out of the hospitalization for sure that uh, a social worker there was like, you know, you don't have to go back to school. <laughs> they have a FMLA for a reason, you know, go do a partial hospitalization, give yourself some time. And it's been great. And I had, gave me time to sort of reevaluate, is this what I should be doing? You know, if you're in a position where you've tried to kill yourself 20 times in the last year, you know, maybe it's time to start thinking about what bigger changes you could make in your life. That that was really the conclusion I came to is it was time to start looking for something else. Well, I hope you find it, obviously. I do think the PHP helps. Uh, I started TMS just recently. And so we'll see how that goes. But, uh, you know, I, I mean, I'm definitely in the space where I just want to try whatever I yeah. can. If you, you know, if you've heard the podcast, you'll probably hear a sort of set of questions I tend to at some point get to. One of them I, I always ask, or usually is the myths. So I don't know if you thought about that in advance, or I could just ask you now. I mean, what, and we've, we've touched on them in the just the way we've conversed, but are there any myths that you want to say, like, nope, like just, this is just not accurate, at least in your experience? Yeah. I mean, I, I can only touch on my own experience. Impulsivity is uh, something that we get a lot, that it's this very impulsive action, which is probably true, but I think it sort of shies away by just how much it's on your mind, you know, and I think that like, this is something that people really have to work up to, at least in my experience, you know, like someone who, so, you know, when I was in high school, I had, uh, I went to a really small high school, I had probably 70 people in my graduating class and three of my Mm -hmm. classmates killed themselves in one year. And I remember uh, just thinking at the time, because I had already tried just like these guys must have been trying for a long time you know i mean like i I had tried i sort of i mean it's a difficult thing to do i don't know i'm not not sure that that's fully appreciated just like how long that is people are sitting around ideating you know how people are practicing how many times someone before they shoot themselves probably uh hold a gun to their head there are a Mm -hmm. lot of chances to intervene and i think that you know it's why it's not always a bad idea to um even when you don't know even when you might not think anything's going on in somebody else's life you know ask them how they're doing in a deep way you know as is what's going on in your life really press and you know you might not you know maybe try asking you know asking your friends uh if they've had suicidal thoughts might seem like it's out of the blue but people might be willing to answer those questions you know i was mm-hmm. i didn't go to my girlfriend that night expecting to confess to her that i was having suicidal thoughts i told her i had self-harmed. Uh, and she asked me if I'd had suicidal thoughts and I didn't want to confess it, but I did in that moment. And so, you know, I think that it's, you know, I, I only say it just to say that you never know where somebody is and it might not be a bad idea. Uh, if you see, you know, small signs in a person, you know, they're just not looking the same. They might be sort of in a, a dark space and it might not be a bad idea to just get them to talk. Yep. But then, and then we have the whole other part of when they do talk. Yeah. What? How do you? Yeah. How do you? What how do you I, not say like, the wrong thing? How right. do you not say the wrong thing? And look, they, they, and this isn't easy. Some people just seem to have that understanding of how to engage in ways that are mostly warm and welcoming and don't make someone feel worse. And some just don't. That's my experience. Right. And I don't know how to get that message to them of how to do it. Because I hear a lot, well, just listen. It's like, yeah, I bet. people know to do that, but they just fuck it up. 
So now what? <laughs> like now what? Obviously, that's not enough of information for people to say, okay, just listen. That means this. Alex or Mindy or Meg or Peter says this. And then I, it, yeah. there's a disconnect. There's just a disconnect. But it's a hell of a good start. But my only concern, not my concern, you know, look, hey, how are you doing? No, really, how are you doing? Have you had any thoughts of ending your life? If somebody shares that with you, you know, that's not an easy thing for most people to talk about. So I just hope yeah. people who hear that, like, how do you create a space for someone to feel safe and then return to that space with you in a day or a week or a month? Not a real question there. It's just me thinking aloud. Like, how do you yeah. convey that to people? From my personal experience, I always feared, um, I had a very sort of vivid idea. And I mean, to some extent, it was proven right in the fact that I, I, I mean, I definitely thought I was going to get shipped off to a hospital if I ever said, right. oh, yeah, I thought about ending my life or whatever. Yeah. I mean, because, mm-hmm. and I'll say too, I, you know, I spent a lot of the last, uh, you know, between the attempts. So first of all, I mean, I think I started ideating when I was probably 11 or so. I mean, I was definitely ideating in that whole 12 year gap between, uh, the attempts too. And, you know, that, that probably was the, that fear of having to go to the hospital was sort of a main reason that you don't want to do it. So, you know, but to the extent that you can make people comfortable uh, and say, you know, just, uh, just hold on a little bit. Like, well, what, what other treatments are out there? You know, like what, what can we explore? <laughs> it's hard. It is hard to know what to say in someone in that situation. What I try yeah. to say to myself when I'm in those spots is, you know, that's always on the table. Um, I think there's a lot of people who are really rushing to, to get it off the table, you know, like, whoa, well, you know, you can't do that. Sign this contract that you won't, uh, that you, you just won't do it. Uh, and then it's all set. And yeah, someone who's already there, it's on the table, you know, it's already on the table. It's something they're thinking about. Um, and just saying, look, I hope you'll wait. I hope you will just give it some time. I hope you'll come with me and we'll explore together. Like what is out there? You know, there's, uh, you know, there's pills, there's therapists, the, the TMS, ECT, the, you know, uh, ketamine. I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff. Let's look at it together and, and let's see what, what could work for you. I love that. I love that the idea of slow down a little bit. If someone's literally, literally at the edge of a building, yes. I get that you'd freak out. By the way, though, for what oh, it's worth, yeah. everybody I've ever talked to who was in a position, an emergency support position, like the guy who used to help people talk them off the Golden Gate Bridge, same stuff, slow down. They still slow it down. Slow it down. Yep. The person's not killing themselves right now. They're talking to you. Slow exactly. down. Exactly. That's, I love that you pointed that out. Like, don't rush through it. Breathe. Most people who go through really hard times don't try to end their lives, right? Yeah, exactly. More, more than yep. we probably think, but not, yep. let's say, most. Do you think it's just something in your in your composition, in your your, your chemical? Is it do you, any ideas what might be sort of underlying? Um, I don't know exactly how it started. I mean, I assume that. I am probably harder on myself than most people are. And so when you're in a position where you have sort of low self-worth already, not much feeling of like belongingness to any sort of social structure, that it really only takes sort of small things going awry to sort of tip you over the edge. You know, if you had asked, and I've, I've thought a bit about this too. If you had asked me, you know, again, I, I went through like a 12-year stretch where I was not trying to kill myself. Uh, I had small things in my life going wrong there too. Why did that not uh, spur me to try to kill myself. And I guess if you would have asked me back then too, like, do you regret uh, not killing yourself at 16 or something? I probably would have said, you know, it doesn't matter either way, I guess. I mean, I think I was just already already in that headspace of just, I've accepted you're going to die one day. Uh, if it's tomorrow, if it's 30 years from now, how did I get in that headspace? You know, I that's the stuff that I think is a little harder to know exactly why I'm there. But I, mm-hmm. I mean, it definitely is the explanation for why 
you know, people lose their jobs all the time. People make career transitions all the time. It's a small, it's a, it's a thing that doesn't cause most people to kill themselves. I definitely understand that. And I think it's, you know, and so I think that's why it's so confusing for people when you try to say, yeah. you know, like, ah, yeah, I was struggling in grad school, so I had to kill myself. But, but it, it doesn't take much uh, to, to, when you're already kind of there to say, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah, well, now I don't have any purpose. So, you know, so, <laughs> what's the point? I, I've tried to investigate with a counselor to some extent. Self-hatred's a, it's a brutal thing to put, yeah. to do to yourself on a daily basis. You'll yeah. say shit to yourself. You never say to anyone else that no one else would ever say to you, you know, <laughs> living that way is, uh, can, can cause you down some, can push you down some uh, tough spirals. We, we have like general numbers that we're able to gather people who have attempted suicide. Sometimes they're murky, right? Because if someone's dr drinking yeah. all day, are they, is it suicide? Is it not suicide? Sure. And we can have an idea of how many people complete suicide, how many attempt. I am always more curious, and I don't think you could ever know this. We will never know this. I don't think of like, how many people think about it? Yeah. I think it's way more than most people would guess. And I'm not saying that yeah. because I have a podcast that deals on this subject. I just don't think it's that uncommon. You know, I saw one recently, I want to say, like high schoolers. You know, I honestly, I think high school is probably the, like one of like the peak times where people are really, because you're in this yeah. like really confined social bubble you know your view of sort of like what the world is is so small and like <laughs> social situations are just tremendously upsetting i you know i want to say it was something like 30 40 percent i might have to dig it out but yeah i mean I, that would be my guess too i would guess you know like half of people if, i mean not that i yeah. know anything but um yeah yeah and then there's questions of like what is ideating exactly right. you know like sure. i just have a fleeting thought versus sure. like okay i want to like cut my throat i want to jump off a bridge you know that kind of stuff is um i don't know there's levels I, to it yeah a little different of like contemplating what is life and my existence, yep. existential questions versus yes, I'm thinking about going to a bridge and jumping. They're different. Yep. So I asked this question earlier. You had mentioned that post hospital has not necessarily been a cakewalk and that you still ideate some. Uh, what do you think the next year holds? You don't mm. have to candy coat it. Don't candy coat no. it. I mean, I, I think there's like a severe risk. I won't. I mean, I'm 28 right now. I, I, I think it's. 20% chance that I don't make it to 30, I would guess. You know, I mean, I don't know. It's tough to say. I'm, I'm in a tough spot right now. And so uh, it kind of feels like how long can I wait it out? I don't know if this is too weird to say too. I've had a lot of thoughts too about, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm engaged, uh, gonna get married. Um, you know, we talk to kids, I love kids. I could imagine being a parent. And then I have all these like deep fears of, God, how can someone who has been suicidal for all these years, like bring kids into the world and like, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not going to fuck these kids up by killing myself at 40. So like, you should do it now before you, you know, get to that stage. I mean, I don't know. These are the thoughts that I yeah. have kind of lived with for a long time. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I would say the risk is still pretty high, but I, I'm, I'm doing what I can uh, in the meantime to try some things out. What the hell else can you do? Really? What can yeah. you, what else can you do? Legitimate. Not, and you don't need to hear this from me, but just as I sort of heard you say that, yeah, those are legitimate concerns to fuck your kids up. Yeah. And I'm glad you're having yep. those thoughts because they are legitimate. Oh no, it'll be fine. It'll work. It's, no, it doesn't always work out. It's a good thing to think about. Not everyone should necessarily yep. have a bunch of kids. Is that mean? Yep. Maybe? <laughs> maybe that's mean. Maybe that's mean. But I mean, like legitimately some people, for me, I've got some genetic stuff and I don't know what that might mean for the particular zygote that's fucking formed but i don't know maybe i'm just gonna make their just from day one i don't know if i want to be that person who gives that chromosomal yeah. disadvantage to my kid i yeah. don't know it's just those are fair things to think about right yep 
Yep. I was just thinking, what if Alex's fiance was here? Oh, my God. Well, I mean, you know, as I, uh, I'll probably tell her at some point that I did this, but I really wanted to give myself some freedom to be more honest. You know, I knew like if she knew about it, she'd listen to it. And uh, I didn't want that to sort of restrain what I was saying. I wanted to sort of give myself the option later, but I think I'll probably tell her. Yeah. And it sounds like some of the stuff that you've talked about, she knows about, but yes, I understand. Oh yeah. I don't think I'm telling you anything that um, I haven't already talked about with her. So yeah. Whether she's comfortable with me telling the world about it, I don't know, (laughs) but I I think she would be. What, is there anything else that um, you wanted to share? Open question. This has been really interesting and um, informative. I appreciate it. I, I, like I said before, I wish I could give more in terms of, boy, here's how you could get through it. Uh, which, who knows what that magic tool is. But I, re- I really am a believer in the just give it time. Try mm-hmm. some stuff out. You know, there are a lot of options out there. You know, there's no problem that needs to be solved this moment. Figuring out how to take time to breathe is, I think, an essential skill for dealing with suicidality. I think it's helped me a lot. Um, and I'm going to continue to keep working on it. No one's ever out of the woods on this, too. I, you know, I, it, mm-hmm. the fact that it reoccurred like 12 years later it does make me think a lot about that this is probably just something I'll live with. Um, and it's definitely something that if you have someone in your life who has dealt with this, never assume that that it's gone. You know, I think once you sort of get into that space, it, it becomes kind of a way of, of life at a point. And so it's something to be aware of. It's something to check in with people about how they're doing and um, in a serious way, you know, not, not yeah. just platitudes. Fuck platitudes. <laughs> I should get that domain. Fuck platitudes.com. See what I can should. do with it. What is one potential industry that looks or sounds interesting as you move away from your economics research and all that other good stuff. I would guess um, clean energy probably is Mm. like a good one to work in. Definitely growing uh, very quickly. And um, I wish I had, uh, as I think back, you know, I kind of wish I would have gone into like engineering or something and tried to work in like the clean energy industry. Um, Who knows? I I could have had like 10 (laughs) careers in my mind of things that I could have done, but for certainly very important uh, with climate change, hopefully it grows faster than it currently is. But yeah, I, I mean, I just don't see a future where that's not like a, a huge, um, no, that's big. Essentially. Yeah. All right. And then I don't think I've ever asked this question. This will be my final question. <laughs> this is so not a Sean question. All right. Because you said on more than one occasion, like there's a lot of self-hate. I want to ask you if you're comfortable sharing this and you can roll your eyes if you want to, of course, what is one thing your fiance would say about you as to why you're so fucking great? It's a very sweet question. I think she would say that um, I'm very compassionate and helpful. Actually, you know, I've had this thought too. I don't know if this is true in your experience of like, the suicidal people that I have heard almost seem like they carry the burden of the world to like a very extreme extent. Like these are people who like really feel uh, the pain of others in like a very severe way. Mm, And to some extent that like, I wonder if that's, something that sort of pushes people over the edge or, or if it's just that, like having been in that space that you can sort of empathize with others pain a lot, mm-hmm. a lot better than other people. Um, but yeah, I think she would say I'm very, I don't know. I could probably give you a list. I, I <laughs> despite uh, the mean things I said, I think she would say I'm very compassionate and that they care a lot about other people. Sweet. And I bet people just might take who will hear this and, and probably agree, or at least if nothing else say, man, that was helpful. Which is, I think, the main reason. I hope so. What else we got? 
Yeah, man. I appreciate it. I genuinely do hope that I do hope things get better and that I, you know what I mean? Just, I do. No, I do. I know there's no guarantee, but I, I mean, do hope that for you. It's what I want for myself too. Uh, so you know, I do appreciate it. There's many others out there who, who are listening. And I mean, I feel like it's gotten me through some really dark nights. So yeah, really appreciate um, it. Um, it is my absolute pleasure, man. It's a Dharma. So uh, yep. I man, hang in as best you can. And uh, I man. All right, Alex, have a good day, brother. Be well. You Thanks. As always, thanks so much for listening and all of your support and special thanks to Alex in Illinois. Thank you, Alex. If you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to talk, please reach out. Hello at suicidenoted.com or on Facebook or Twitter at Suicide Noted. And again, I know I say this a lot, but if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review this podcast. It really helps people find it. And I think people need to find it. Thank you for that. That is all for episode number 85. Stay strong. Do the very best you can. I'll talk to you soon.